Good morning and welcome to today's service. I trust we all have had a great week. Uh, welcome to a new month, the last and the final month of 2023. God has been good to us. I'm seeing you, you are alive. <laughs> we started the year with you and we are ending it with you. Thanks be to God. None of you are demised. So I give glory to God for that. Look, it, just that one alone is just enough for us to thank God. You may have not achieved your goals. You may have not um, ticked your or, or, or checked your boxes for 2023, but that's okay. We are here. We are among the land of the living. It's every cause for us to give praise and glory to God. Amen. So I'm just glad, excuse me, that uh, God is seeing us through, excuse me, this last month of 2023. Amen. After a long hiatus from our series, we are glad to resume the book of John. This month of December, uh, we dub it as the month of Christ or the month of Jesus. So Sundays and Wednesdays, we will use this as an opportunity to talk about the star of the moment. Or you know, when I'm talking about the moment, what I talk about when it's December, we all know it's time for Christmas. Christmas is not about shoes. It's not about getting the best deals. <laughs> you know, and what have you. 80% sales off. Uh, Christmas is about the celebration of Christ. He's the real deal. And I think we have to shift our emphasis and focus on him. Otherwise, if not that, uh, Christmas just becomes a meaningless and frivolous activity, which will just let us indulge in our selfish desires. Amen. And Christmas is bigger than that. All right. So let's let's have that proper perspective. So um, on Sundays, from now till uh, whenever, we, we, we will be on our series on the book of John, the Lordship of Christ. And on Wednesdays, particularly for this month, uh, we will have uh, another series on lessons from the birth of Christ. I believe Pastor Jessica will give the announcement and she will give more details on that. Amen. So... Uh, we are back, amen, on our series. Um, the whole purpose of this series is to strengthen our belief on, on one of the foundational core truths of Christianity, which is Jesus' Lord. That's the whole premise of the book of John, amen. And that's why, uh, if you do remember, I do say that the most common word in the book of John is belief. That's the most common word. It's written more than any other thing, believe. Because the whole point of the book being written to us believers is for us to believe in Jesus Christ as God. Amen. Very important. Um, this morning I was thinking, how do I do an overview of 80 messages which have been preached since February 2020? This series was started in February 2020 till now. How do you do a summary or an overview of um, 80 messages preached from 17 chapters? Uh, 
please may I just refer you to our podcast. He will get a gist of the messages email because I don't even know how to start it. I don't even know the head and the tail of this. Uh, you catch a, a gist of this series, amen. And I believe you will be well abreast. It's 80 messages though, but uh, if you patiently take time to listen, you will catch up and, and you will be abreast, amen. So let's just pray and let's get right into it for this morning. Heavenly Father, we thank you. Uh, your word gives life. Your word brings understanding. We pray that as we receive your word with humility, may your word minister to us. May we know another aspect of you, O oh God. And Father, as we behold you, may, may your countenance of glory be exhibited in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Please turn with me to John chapter 18, verse 1 to 11. So today is part 81, and I'm ministering under the sub-theme, a willing sacrifice. A willing sacrifice. So John chapter 18, verse 1 to 11. And I'm reading. I believe by now you should have a dent in the book of John, if you, hold it, if you are reading the book Bible. You will. Verse 1, when Jesus had spoken these words, he went out with his disciples over the brook Kedron, where there was a garden, which he and his disciples entered. Verse 2, and Judas, who betrayed him, also knew the place. For Jesus often met there with his disciples. Then Judas, having received a detachment of troops and officers, from the chief priests and Pharisees came there with lanterns, torches, and weapons. Verse 4, Jesus therefore, knowing all things that will come upon him, went forward and said to them, Whom are you seeking? They answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus said to them, I am he. And Judas, who betrayed him, also stood with them, now, when he said to them, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. This also included Judas. Then he asked them again, whom are you seeking? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus answered, I've told you that I am he. Therefore, if you seek me, let these go their way. That the same might be fulfilled, which he spoke of those whom you gave me. I have lost none. Then Simon Peter, having a sword, drew it and struck the high priest servant, cut off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. So Jesus said to Peter, put your sword into the sheath. Shall I not drink the cup which my father has given me? Amen. Interesting story. Now, verse 1 starts with, when Jesus had spoken these words, that the last chapter we did was chapter 17. And chapter 17 is on record known as the Lord's Prayer. It was Christ's prayer. He prayed. So when you read the whole of chapter 17, which is 26 verses, all the verses are in red. It's a record of Jesus' prayer. And the Bible lets us know that when he had finished these prayers, 
he went out with his disciples over the brook Kedron. I believe, I want to think that after Jesus had finished praying, he felt very empowered for the task and the mission ahead. This was his most important mission. Most important. So when I'm saying something is most important, I am inferring that there is more important and then important. So preaching and teaching was not the most important. It could be under the category of more important or important. The most important of Jesus' assignments was what was about to befall him in the chapter we just read. Amen. And the Bible lets us know that he went over Brook Kidron where there was a garden. If you look at all the other accounts, you know, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they all recorded this. But um, most of the accounts called the place Gethsemane. So it's safe to say the garden was Gethsemane. But there is something interesting. The Bible lets us know that he went over Brook Kidron. And what was Brook Kidron? Brook Kidron was a stream. Excuse me. And it was a stream because of if the drainage of the temple was what formed the stream, which was called Brook Kidron. And mind you, Jesus died during the time of Passover. So during Passover, one of the highlights that marked the Passover was the sacrifice of sheep, lambs, goats, every, every kind of animal, you know, it's highlighted with sacrifice. So when, when you pass Brookidron during the time of the Passover celebration, the stream is bloody. It's not water because of all the sacrifices that may have gone on to mark the celebration. So I believe that during the time Jesus passed over Brookidron, it was probably a bloody stream. And when Jesus passed over Brookidron, going into the Garden of Gethsemane, I believe it served as a remembrance to him that he is going to also suffer, just like how these lambs, sacrifices, bulls, goats, have been slain for a sacrifice. And Jesus is a shadow and a type of the Passover lamp. And the Bible lets us know that Jesus went to a place where Judas knew where he was. So it's on purpose. Is it Jesus could have practiced the art of stealth He's God. He could have avoided this. He could have imposed divine powers that Judas would have never been able to find Christ. He purposely went to a garden where he knew Judas was going to come. To me, it speaks of love. It's a willing sacrifice. It's total commitment. 
I'm reminded of this story about the pig and the hen that wanted to solve hunger crisis in their environment. And the hen suggested, look, I believe we can do something whilst we are here. We have something to contribute. Why don't you bring a bacon? I bring egg. At least it will be able to help the community a bit. The pig was like, no, 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 no. You don't understand. You, you are talking about commitments. On my part, it's total commitment. Because you, you will just give birth to an egg and you will live. For me to give birth to bacon, it means I have to be killed. So there is a difference. Yours is commitment. Mine is total commitment. You know, so the, 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 the pig was like, no, I'm not going to do this deal. Because for me, if I become bacon, it means I have to die. Then the pig had a good point. Why didn't you say, let me give chicken? Because you too, if you give chicken, it is total commitment. But you, you don't want total, you just want to be committed. And I should know it's total commitment. This commitment is, is total commitment. Look, Jesus was totally committed. He wasn't like the pig. He was totally committed. And he wasn't like the hen either. You see, the hen can either give an egg or give chicken. But if the hen also gives chicken, it also means the hen has to experience total commitment. It has to die. Jesus came to a place of total commitment. Thank God Jesus was not the pig. He didn't have the philosophy of the pig to resist dying. He knew that his disciple knew where he was, but he purposefully went there to offer himself as a willing sacrifice so that the scripture in John 1, 29 will be fulfilled. When his cousin John the Baptist saw him at the Jordan and when he was coming to be baptized, his cousin spoke by revelation. He says, behold the lamp of God. Who takes away the sin of the world? That prophecy was about to be fulfilled. And for that to be fulfilled, Jesus Christ had to make sure that he gave leads and traces so that Judas will not struggle to find where Jesus is. And let me tell you something. Jesus purposefully did that because of his love for us. As we are about to celebrate Christmas, thank God, there might be deals. Deals on Amazon. <laughs> deals on high street and shops. 80% sales. What have you? Food, merrymaking. There are some people that will say, oh, I don't drink, but when it's Christmas, I become a seasonal drinker. All those things. But above all, try and remember Christ's love for you. The reason why Christ allowed himself and subjected himself to such inhumane torture was because of his love for you and me. That was a painful run. It's a painful price. And it came at the hands of his disciple. 
someone who was blessed by the ministry of Jesus, someone who was appointed by Jesus, someone whom Jesus also delegated with power and authority to cast out demons and heal the sick, someone whom Jesus even called a friend. He was the one that betrayed Christ and his Judas. He betrayed them only for 30 pieces of silver. And when you read verse 3, it's even amazing that the detachment of troops that Judas came along with, with officers and chief priests and Pharisees with lanterns, torches, and weapons, was just to arrest only one man. It wasn't even to arrest two people, just to arrest one man. Look at all these people. In fact, when you read Matthew's account in Matthew chapter 26, it's just like, are you coming for a robber? Am I a robber? Am I a thief? That you have to come to me like this? Because even though Judas knew Christ was the son of man, I believe that Judas also knew that this man is powerful. I've seen him spoke to the wind and the wind obeyed him. He spoke to the wind, and the wind and the waves obeyed him. He's not just any manner of man. I believe that deep down he knew that. And Judah's suspicion was right. Because when Jesus, when the, 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 the Bible lets us know that the detachment of officers with priests this is the only scripture where I saw priests involved in arresting people. Your job description as a chief priest is to be in the temple, not to be following army officers to go in to arrest somebody. So you, as you see, the mind and how wicked people really wanted Jesus to die. And the Bible says that Jesus asked them, whom are you seeking? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. You know, in times past, you would think that that word Jesus of Nazareth is just how they identify them. But if you do a little bit of um, Bible history and look a bit into it, when the Jews called him Jesus of Nazareth, it was actually an insulting name. It's a denigration. Because of Nazareth. Nazareth was not a respectable place. So anytime they called him that, it was like they wanted to reproach him. So, Jesus said, I am he. And they experienced the power of God. The power of God swept the officers, chief priests, Pharisees, including Judas, of their feet. The Bible said they drew back and they fell to the ground. I, I wonder, I picture in my mind side, they drew back and they fell to the ground. Look, if I was one of these officers, I would have run away. I'm telling you. I would have been in that scripture, verse 8, and Stephen ran away, one of the officers. Because this should let you know that you are not dealing with a human being. You are not dealing with a normal man of flesh and blood. When someone just introduces himself as, I am he, 
and there is so much power and weight in his identity that it can cause you to draw back and then fall to the ground. That alone should tell you you are not dealing with a normal person. This is not a flesh and blood. If I was part of the soldiers, they would have written my name in this story. And Stephen, one of the soldiers, ran away. I'm telling you, I would have run away. There is no way because, yo, I want to sleep. Okay? You don't, you don't want to attack certain people and then in the middle of your night, your bed will be rolling. <laughs> like some of these horror movies. <laughs> I'm coming to, no, no, no. I'm gone. I'm gone. I'm gone. But Jesus, I believe that one of the reasons why there was so much power in his identity and why the power of God was being manifested was to protect his disciples, not because of him, to protect his disciples. And even Jesus knew that I am going to face such a gruesome death I'm going to face such an embarrassing moment. I'm going to have faced such a shameful and a very painful death. I'll still protect my disciples. And that is why when Jesus mentioned his name, I am he, it came with it with some accompanying power, accompanying force of great might. And Jesus said something that don't touch these people. Leave them. If you seek me, I'm here. But these disciples, let them go. And the Bible says that when he said that, that prophecy or that prayer that he prayed in chapter 17, that of all those you've given to me, I have lost none. That scripture was fulfilled. And if you do remember, when we did chapter 17, we came across that phrase. Amen. And then something interesting happened. The Bible lets us know that Simon Peter having a sword. So I'm like, wow. So this Peter man, all these years he worked with Christ, he had a sword. Of all the preaching, the parables that Jesus gave, <laughs> Peter had a sword in, on him. It was only when someone decided to touch Jesus that he drew the sword. And for the life of me, I don't know if you are trying to be in combat. When you are fighting, you will aim for someone's ear. I think it was just a fluke accident. I'm sure Peter, with all his might, was probably aiming for a better part of his face or the head or something. But Marcus too thought he was smart. And when he dodged, he got the ear, unfortunately. And this was Jesus' last miracle before he went on the cross. The last miracle of Jesus was he healed an enemy who was trying to kill him. That should speak to us about something. That is the last miracle of Jesus. It should speak to us Christians that when we are done ill, we shouldn't practice the principle of retribution. It speaks to us Christians that when we are done ill and when we are hurt, we shouldn't practice the principle of vengeance. Vengeance is the Lord and he will repay. It speaks to us that as Christians, 
Whenever people do things that really offenses that bad, we shouldn't curse them. When you're a believer, don't believe in curse. This is the master that we are following. The last miracle that the master did was to heal an enemy who was trying to kill him. That's the last miracle. Think about it. So as Christians, we don't fight our enemies. We don't kill them. We don't pray imprecatory prayers against them. That's not us. We do it according to the way of the master. And Jesus said something. Put your sword into the sheath. Shall I not drink the cup which my father has given me? And this is where we get the theme willing sacrifice. Now, if you read Matthew chapter 26, verse 53, that same account is there. But Jesus says something different. He said, look, I could have called for 12 legions of angels to come to my defense. 12 legions. In fact, during the Jewish time, a legion is a minimum of 6,000. But the exact number of a legion is 6,826. So a minimum is 6,000. But under Augustus, you know, Augustus Caesar, because, you know, during Jesus' time, they were under the governor of Augustus Caesar. Under Augustus Caesar's reign, a legion is actually 6,826. Why? Because it's 6,100 foot soldiers, 726 horsemen. So it makes it 6,820. So when we are talking about a legion, the accurate, exact representation of a legion is 6,826. And Jesus is saying, I could call 12 legions. So 6,826 times 12, and they will come and defend. And you and I know, if you've read the Bible, you and I know that Angels don't even have to come in legions to destroy. Just one angel alone has that amazing supernatural strength to wreak havoc. We've seen it so much in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. Amen. Jesus came to lay down his life and die for us. He was a willing sacrifice. He was willing. He didn't want anything to stand between that and fulfilling the master's will. Not Peter's defense. He didn't need that because he was looking at the bigger picture. And what is the bigger picture? Look at us today. Out of his death, International Charismatic Church is here. Out of his death. He was looking at the bigger picture that today, we will congregate as an assembly of believers and we will worship him. Jesus looked at the big picture. That is why he endured the shame. He endured the scorn. He endured the embarrassments. He endured the inhuman torture. If you read Isaiah chapter 53, Isaiah by the Holy Spirit 
prophesied on the harrowing death of Christ, that he will be beaten to the point that he will not even look like a man. He lost his visage. He lost his appearance as a man. Why did he have to go through such inhumane graphic torture? It was because of you and me. He had to become that lamp to take away the sin of the world. It came at that price. So Jesus did everything to let us know, I am willing. I am not like the pig. I'm not afraid of total commitments. I'm prepared to be totally committed. In Jesus' case, he just didn't die, but he also went to hell. He went to Hades. Total commitment. He's not afraid of it. It's not like the pig. Think of his love. Jesus became a willing sacrifice so that you and I can experience forgiveness of sins. And that's why I'm saying that Jesus came to do some things, some were important, some were more important, but he had this most important assignment. And the most important assignment was to be the lamp of God that would take away the sins of the world. That's why where he was was an open secret. Because Judas knew where he was. He gave leads and chases so that Judas could come there and truly come and arrest him. Not even arrest him, but Jesus offered himself. He said, nobody killed me. I offered my life. I gave my life. I have power to take my life. I have power to give it. He says, the, 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 the prince of this world is coming. He has nothing in me. Jesus gave his life. He offered it willingly so that you and I could experience forgiveness of sins. So we thank God that it was a willing sacrifice. That's why when we read Philippians chapter 2, he says that he humbled himself to the, to the point of death. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter. And that was Christ. Why? So that we can experience forgiveness of sins. So in the first week of December, remember, Christ died so that your sins will be forgiven. That's why during our fasting and prayer, the first day, we had to reflect on the benefits of what God has afforded us. And one of them was, he has forgiven us our iniquity. Why? On the basis of his son dying for us. Christ has become a willing sacrifice for you and me. I'm thankful to God. On this note, we have every right to celebrate and take communion and say thank you to the Lord. Because this sacrifice is willing. Think of yourself at work. 
Have you ever done an unwilling project before? I have. I have. It wasn't something I wanted to do. <laughs> it wasn't something that I had pleasure in doing, but I had to do it because your manager is tasking upon you that you should do it. And then even though it is done, it wasn't done out of a willful soul. It's different from when you are doing something out of your own evolution. It's different. Jesus' sacrifice is not an unwilling sacrifice. He was willing. He saw the pain. He saw the shame. He saw the humiliation. But he thought of you and me. Why? So that our sins will be taken away. So that we can now have fellowship with God. That is why he's being treated like an armed robber. Because Jesus foreknew. Jesus could have become divine and would have said, I don't want to die. I'll disappear. Or I will employ divine forces. He could have. But because of you and me. So today, I just want us to think of his willing sacrifice. So on this note, I just want us to take communion. And we want to take communion in gratitude and in appreciation of Christ being a willing sacrifice. That today you and I can walk condemnation free. We can walk guilty free. Sin is not charged to our accounts. It's charged on the master's card. The master card. Sin is not charged on our accounts because Christ died for you and me. But most importantly, he became a willing sacrifice. And that's why he told Peter, there is no need to defend me because I have to drink the cup which my father has given me. It was a cup of suffering, a cup of shame, a cup of death. But Christ decided, I will drink it. Because when I drink it, it will mean that the sins of this world will be forgiven. That my father can have relationship with his people once again. We thank you, Lord. So we are drinking this in celebration to Christ being the Passover lamp. He was the Passover lamp. You know, when the lamp was slain during the Passover, it meant that when the angel of death was going to visit Egypt, when it saw blood on anybody's doorpost, the angel of death passed over. That's why it's called the Passover lamp. And Christ being our Passover lamp meant now that every penalty associated with sin will pass over us. Because when Christ died for us, Christ marked us as purchased possession. And that is why guilt has to pass over us. Condemnation has to pass over us. 
shame has to pass over us. Sicknesses associated with sin have to pass over us. Hell has to pass over us. Why? Because Christ became a willing sacrifice that he would die for the sins of the world. That is why when God judges us, he's fair because he has made this provision available for everybody to receive Christ as their Lord and personal because it is in Christ that we experience freedom from sin. So on this note, let's go to Matthew chapter 26. And Jesus, after he had this Passover with them, where he instituted the Lord's Supper, this next instance happened. As they were eating, Jesus took bread, blessed, broke it, and gave it to the disciples and said, Take it. This is my body. And I'm reading from Matthew 26, 26. Then he took the cup, gave thanks, and gave it to them. Drink from it, all of you, for... This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. It's not shed for a few, for many. Many. Christ's blood is for all. Christ's blood had to ooze. It had to pour out so that we could all experience the removal, that's the meaning of remission of our sin, which had blocked fellowship and communion with God our Father. But I say to you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now on until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. And then verse 30, they sang a hymn, went out to the Mount of Olives. Amen. That's why I like the worship song. I don't know if the worship leader read my mind, but he picked the song which was apropos of this moment. So as we take the bread, we are eating his body. Shall we eat? And as we take the wine, or whatever juice you may have. It represents the blood of the new covenant. If the Bible lets us know it's shed for our sins. This was what John referred to. It's the lamp of God. It's the sins of the world. Lord, we thank you for being that willing sacrifice that today you and I not condemned because our sin has been taken care of. Shall we
thank you thank you Lord thank you we've learned from your scripture today you were a willing sacrifice and look at the outcome we are eating and supping with you at your table it's dress rehearsal oh Lord for the day we will have our meeting with you face to face at the Lamb's table. Thank you, Lord. We give you praise. Thank you, Jesus. You have saved our life because of your blood. You brought us from darkness into your glorious lights by the agency of your blood. Thank you that you didn't run away from this task. As difficult, as gruesome, as brutal, as graphic your death was, you still took this shame. You embraced this assignment because you thought of me. You thought of us. Oh Lord, may this be at the forefront of our mind. May this be written on the tables of our hearts, especially as we enter into Christmas. May we be engulfed so much by your love. May we remember at all times that you love us. And because of that, you were willing to sacrifice that we will not be condemned, that we will have a relationship with you. We are eternally grateful. And for this, we say thank you. We register our appreciation by following you, O Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.
God bless you.